Ready? Born ready. Another episode of your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At. I'm your host, Sapa Longbert, in the studio with none other than Keith, producer Keith. Let's dive right in. Uh, what is going on in the world? There has been so much in the past, what, six, seven days since we last recorded. Um, first, I want to say uh, prayers to the Five women, I believe one was killed uh, in the Midtown Atlanta shooting last week. Folks messaged me because I, you know, I don't live that far from there. Like, are you okay? But thankfully, I was out of town and not in harm's way. Uh, but just prayers to those families uh, who will never be the same. Uh, the the victims who survived, um, who will remember this for the rest of their lives. Um, and then for the family of the individual who did the shooting because that has impacted and will continue to impact their family as well. Uh, it's just, it's just heartbreaking to see. I'll talk about that. Just the shooting and mass shootings and in, in the country a little bit later, but first in some political news, um, eight of the fake electors, these are the folks who tried to in 2020 change the 16 electors in Georgia from Biden to Trump. Um, and so eight of these folks have gotten immunity deals from the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. <laughs> yeah, but as of right now, we don't know who took the deals um, and who's like who's snitching on who. I don't <laughs> I don't know what happens there. Um, David Schaefer, who's the current head of the the state Republican Party, I'm guessing he is not one of them. Um, and by the way, he's not going to be the head of the party in 2024. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what the party does in 2024. I do think in in counties where Democrats did well in 2020, Republicans are going to be incredibly aggressive. I'm thinking particularly of Cobb and Gwinnett as two counties where I think Republicans are going to be very aggressive. And then in some of the more... Um, suburban county or counties around like savannah augusta columbus where republicans are going to go really hard in 2024 so on the fake electors you know uh, these names will come out at some point some of these folks are elected officials uh, including the lieutenant governor burt jones who we've talked about on the show um, others are kind of people high up or well respected in the state republican party I don't know what the timeline is for the district attorney um, on this, but I imagine she's probably trying to get this stuff wrapped before the 2024 election. So we'll see. Um, some other state news is Governor Kemp is moving closer to the state of Georgia, having its own website to search for health care plans. So instead, come January 1st of 2024, what the governor is hoping is that instead of going to healthcare.gov for people who have their own insurance and you don't get insurance through your company, you would be going through this state site. Um, and 
I on, I honestly don't understand why. I think part of it is kind of like a, oh, we don't have the Affordable Care Act in the same sense in Georgia. Or instead of going to the federal site, you'll be going to the state site. All I know is I just want it to be, I use the healthcare.gov site, right? Because I don't have insurance through my work. I pay for it myself. And I just, A, can we just please have insurance that's doggone affordable, one, and then B, insurance that actually covers the stuff you need it covered for. Yeah, because I was going to ask, is it going to make it more affordable? Like, I doubt it. Is it going to make it easier to find, too? I hope. I hope. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. Is it like a diversion of funds type of thing? Like, are they taking money from somewhere? They're not taking federal money. I mean, this has okay. been one of the things where folks have actually wanted Kemp, we've talked about this on the show, wanted Kemp to expand Medicaid coverage mm-hmm. in Georgia, right? And that would have happened through the Affordable Care Act, but he's not. Even though the federal government government is basically saying, here's billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put in really, right? Here's billions of dollars and the state's just like, mm, This nah. is like the first step. Like maybe you get your own site and I then you think, take the yeah, money I on the think, back end. Yeah, and I it think looks this like is yeah, exactly. I think this is kind of uh, hey, we're trying to yeah, like be the, less jerky about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I I just hope that the site is easy to use. I remember when healthcare.gov first the site first launched and Obama got excoriated because the site was like super clunky and it didn't work and. It was a mess. So I all I want is health insurance that works and health insurance that's affordable, which is a lot to ask for in the United States, unfortunately. Damn. <laughs> One more thing about Kemp. Um, we didn't talk about this, I don't think, when we did our episode around the recap of the state legislator. So starting January 1st of next year, Georgians will be taxed for digital downloads of books, video games, and music. Now, if you have like a Netflix <clears throat> subscription, it's not going to tax you for that. But it is going to tax you if you download a book or music or a video uh, game for purchase. It, there's not a tax already? No. So remember like years ago, there wasn't a tax on Amazon purchases, like Amazon.com purchases oh, in Atlanta so now, and that, in Georgia. And that finally happened whenever, I don't know how long ago. That was a while ago, but that was a thing. Just like certain online purchases are not taxed. So it's expected to be a moneymaker. It's going to generate $80 million of revenue in the first year. And they think that will grow year over year. I mean, if you think about, you know, how much stuff we download and purchase digitally it's an insane amount i mean i all this tells me is that you know this show is really important because uh there's about to be a lot more money and we already have a surplus so we have to you know figure out what we're going to do i mean that's That's, yeah that's a good that's the question is what's gonna what is the government gonna do with the 80 million dollars i don't know I, I would think part of it might be to expand broadband access across the state because there are parts of Georgia where folks don't have access to the internet and that would seem like something that would make sense, but I'm not I'm not for sure what they're planning to do I with can it. See that. Yeah, cause, yeah. Cause outside of Atlanta and like some major like Columbus, Macon, like everything in the middle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, and then I think the next step of this would be that you do have to pay a tax for your uh, online subscriptions. Nah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down for that. I'm not down for that. Nah. I think that's the next one. It's just interesting to me that this was proposed by Republicans who are generally very much anti-tax, anti-give government more money. You know, that's 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 always the thing with them. That's that's another uh, subject for a different podcast. That's, <laughs> that's what All I was right. thinking, too. Like, what? I know. More money? I know. Yeah. <laughs> we are the party of small government. All right. Let's move on to some national stuff. We haven't talked about this in a while. Uh, but Texas Governor Greg Abbott is still sending migrants who are coming in from the southern border to other cities, to particularly Democratic cities like Philly and New York City. Um, so two senators, Kristen Sinema, uh, who was formerly a Democrat and she's now an independent, uh, and Tom Tillis, who is a Republican from North Carolina, they are proposing a plan to temporarily continue a version of Title 42, which was something that Trump enacted during the pandemic. So basically it allowed the United States to deny people seeking asylum uh, during the pandemic, right? So stating you couldn't come in and seek asylum because we're having a public health crisis. Title 42 expires on May 11th, so very soon. Um, and there's no clear plan in place to address the number of migrants who are going to come in once that ban is lifted. So Cinema and Tillis are proposing a two-year plan to continue Title 42, but this time they wouldn't use public health as the mandate or the reason why Title 42 is in place. So there are some things that the Biden administration has done kind of in anticipation of this. They have put immigration processing centers in countries like Ecuador so that they can screen migrants before they even try to cross the southern border. That makes sense to me. It's kind of like you're going to the problem rather than waiting for the problem to come to you. And when I say problem, I mean, I'm not saying the people are a problem, I'm saying just the general situation. Um, and then the United States is also sending 1,500 active duty troops to the border to help out border patrol agents. I think this is one of those issues that Biden can't win either way. Republicans are not going to give him credit for doing these types of things to try to be proactive. And then the Democrats are mad that he's sending troops to the border. But people's memories are really short because Trump did it too. Trump sent troops to the border and Democrats opposed it. Obama sent troops to the border. So I'm like, okay, Republicans are saying, you know, Biden, it's too little, too late. But there's precedent here on both sides of the aisle where presidents have done this. I don't know what will happen. Um, the it's It's got to take a majority of the Senate for the bipartisan Kristen Sinema and Tom Tillis uh, bill to pass. And it's probably not going to pass before May 11th. So it's just a matter of figuring out and, you know, political maneuvering to figure out what to do about all the migrants who are at the border. It's going to be interesting, but it's most certainly going to be a topic uh, in the 2024 election. All right, next up, um, if you are a black person of a certain age, you definitely know the name Colin Powell. Um, we might have another or the next Colin Powell 
Uh, General Charles Q. Brown, he is the head of the Air Force, and he is the first black person to lead any branch of the United States military, and he just might be the next Joint Chiefs chair. Take a listen to him. As the commander of Pacific Air Forces, a senior leader in our Air Force, and an African-American, many of you may be wondering what I'm thinking about, the current events surrounding the tragic death of George Floyd. Here's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about how full I am with emotion, not just for George Floyd, but the many African-Americans that have suffered the same fate as George Floyd. I'm thinking about protests in my country, tis of the sweet land of liberty, the equality expressed in our Declaration of Independence and the Constitution that I've sworn my adult life to support and defend. And thinking about a history of, of racial issues and my own experiences that didn't always sing of liberty and equality. I'm thinking about living in two worlds, each with their own perspective and views. I'm thinking about my sister and I being the only African-Americans in our entire elementary school and trying to fit in. I'm thinking about then going to a high school where roughly half the students were African-American and trying to fit in. I'm thinking about my Air Force career, where I was often the only African-American in my squadron, or as a senior officer, the only African-American in the room. I'm thinking about wearing the same flight suit with the same wings on my chest as my peers, and then being questioned by another military member, are you a pilot? I'm thinking about how I sometimes felt my comments were perceived to represent the African-American perspective, when it's just my perspective informed by being African-American. I'm thinking about some of the insensitive comments made. So that was a video that he recorded um, after the George Floyd shooting, which um, was a bit of, I think, a surprise for folks because generally military leaders don't express, you know, kind of their feelings on things like this and they hold it to their chest. Um, but he was very vocal about it. So if he becomes the next Joint Chiefs chair, uh, he will be the highest ranking officer in the country and he'll become President Biden's senior military advisor. Now, the Biden administration has not yet formally selected him for the role, but he's highly rumored to be uh, the next person. And in part because he has um, a lot of experience around the Pacific, which is an area of interest for the United States military. So what's the process for um, selecting him? So Biden would first have to nominate him, um, and then he would have to be voted on by the Senate. This is probably um, one of the um, positions that he'll that Biden will actually get approval on, um, because this guy is well respected. General Charles Brown is well respected across uh, partisan sides. So we'll see. Um, but it's just kind of interesting to. He, he, if you watch the video, I mean, he certainly feels very different from Colin Powell. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you have a lot of conversations with folks like, what is the likelihood of a, of a Trump, for example, um, selecting a guy like General Charles Brown to be the head of the Joint Chiefs versus Biden or some other Democrat? Yes, I do know that Colin Powell was Joint Chiefs under Bush. But Bush was also a different kind of Republican compared to Republicans of today. 
I mean, you think just a, yeah, I think the Trump is still because he's about the optics. He's always about the optics. So I'm like, trying to remember, was there anyone black in the cabinet in the Trump cabinet? Hmm. I think I, don't, I can't think of the cabinet. I'm trying to think of maybe around him. You know, <laughs> like the, around him. Yeah, Am- like, uh, Am- Omarosa. Yeah, like that. that Omarosa crowd. does not count. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, let's go right into moving fast on this show. Uh, party poopers and party starters. Yeah, her go around singing the party pooper song. Every party needs a pooper. That's why we invited you. Party pooper. Party pooper. So this week's party pooper is the United Auto Workers Union and their president, Sean Fain. Why am I making a union person a party pooper? Well, Fain is upset that the Biden administration is putting emphasis on car companies embracing electric vehicles without setting minimum wage requirements at the EV facilities. So as an example that he's giving, uh, he's saying that workers at a General Motors battery plant are starting at $16.50 an hour, which is about half of what they would have made at the old GM plant before that closed in 2019. So why is this why is this guy a party pooper? I think he's delusional. And here's why. The United Auto Workers Union or United Auto Workers, they endorsed Biden in 2020. But they said they're not going to endorse Biden in the 2024 election if he doesn't do something about EV workers, right? So these are the folks who are making the batteries, assembling the cars. And the same in the same statement Fain says that Trump would be a disaster. And then he goes on to say this, and I quote, We need to get our members organized behind a pro-worker, pro-climate, and pro-democracy political program that can deliver for the working class. Bro, show me one Republican who's going to be pro-worker, pro-climate, and pro-democracy. Please. So... I think it's one thing to kind of publicly say I'm pissed off at Biden and I'm doing this to kind of get him to move where I need him to move. But the reality is there's not a single Republican running for president who is going to support unions to the extent that the Biden administration has, period, not one. So I... Yeah, I just don't get it. I think um, now on front on union side, there's the binary choice, right? It's either I vote for a Democrat because they are more likely to support my needs than a Republican, even though Democrats, and I talked about this with my staff like a couple months ago, Democrats had control of the House. They could have passed the PRO Act, which would have been the most comprehensive bill to support workers. And when they had control of the House, they didn't. I mean, that's the issue. <laughs> that's I think that's what... Or the Senate, rather. I, I take the back. It's the Senate. They yeah. had control of the Senate, and they didn't pass the PRO Everything Act. Everything. They should have. But that's the thing that... I think that's what the union workers are saying. They will choose a Republican that 
would even say I'll do something for you guys, right? But they're not. Okay. But that's the thing. They're but, absolutely not. But because they're union workers, if you don't, we can retaliate with strikes. And then do you want to halt the whole system? Because, you know, you're talking to union workers. I, th- I could see if it was like a different sector, but like anything that's unionized, if you don't give us what we negotiated on, we're stopping work. That's that's that's, that's, that's completely our... different. That that's completely different from saying I am going to not support I'm either going to not support a democratic president who has been pro union or I'm going to not help you and therefore I'm going to increase the chances of a republican who's anti-union to I, come in. I, like I, that is counter to your mission. But but if my mission is already not being fulfilled it's not counting. It is being it's being fulfilled to, you know, this is like the glass half full. It's being fulfilled at 20% maybe rather than 50%. But if the next person comes in, your glass of water is going to go from 20% full to 5% full. But so does that issue, really make sense at the end of the day? It does because the issue with politics is that, yeah, we want 50%, we settle on 20%, and then you raise everything around me 30%. So now my 20% is back to zero. Like, if I keep settling, then I'm never going to get what I want. I think this is very a very good negotiation. I think the, the black farmers are doing the same thing. I think they should be negotiating with the companies. So United Auto Workers should be negotiating with GM, with Ford, with whoever else are the companies that are manufacturing. But they have, I think they're negotiating where the power is. And I think that's what they're saying. Like, if you guys are in power and you can pass some of these laws we probably would put it back on the companies, but the laws are set up to where it's yeah. So if this is a, if this is a ploy to get Biden to move on it. Yeah. I think that's one thing. I think that's what but it is. But at the end of the day. To get somebody to move on it. I think Biden is going to move the closest and the fastest. Now, if a Republican sees it, grabs on they're it. They're not. Like, they're absolutely not. Ron DeSantis is not going to do anything to help union workers. Hey, I put it out there. Trump is not going to do anything to help union workers. Trump was someone who didn't even pay his people. Hey, we, we got we to put like, it out like, there. Like, come on. Like, because if I don't, then Biden's going to keep doing it. Like you say, it's, 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 I think it's but a tactical move. problem. Yeah, maybe it's a tactical move, but this is also the problem with these binary choices and that I, and we that's have. What it is. Like, it's, we need additional parties. Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's the answer. Because any in any binary choice, when you force me to make a binary choice that I can't choose, then I'm not going to participate. And if I don't participate, then we have a whole nother issue. You get what I'm saying? Because now we're outside the system. So now if, I, if I'm if i not voting Democrat, if I'm not choosing Republican, I'm just choosing to stay home and let the quote-unquote system do as it will, you have more and more people plug out of the system. That's Well, the yeah, that's already happening. Yeah. I mean, we saw that in the 2022 election. We saw that in... The election, um, we saw that locally with the municipal election, the Andre Dickens election, right? We had some of the lowest turnout in the city of Atlanta. And then I, I we talked about on the pod a couple of weeks ago, turnout in Clayton County yeah, was incredibly low. low. Turnout in Cobb County and Ma- for the Mapleton election, super low. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that that will happen in 2024 if the options are Biden versus Trump, where folks are like, I don't want either one of you. I'm just going to step out of this. Ah, before you move on to your pooper, speaking of Trump, oh God. how could we forget about Ben Carson, the cabinet oh. member? <laughs> uh, easily. <laughs> the, the one, 
Yeah, that's the one. That, yeah. <laughs> he was so remarkable. He was, yeah. Gifted hands. Gifted hands. Man, should have just really stayed where he was on that. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, CNN has a poll. I think it was CNN's poll. I know it was it was stated on CNN. Um, and the people were asked the question, do Biden or Trump have the mental sharpness to serve? Only 32% of those polled said that Biden had the mental sharpness. I think they're both the same. On the sharpness. And they like, said 54 for Trump. I, I think they're both the same on the sharpness. I don't, I don't see Trump or Biden more sharp. Mm-hmm. I just see Biden more, um, more willing to take his medicine to stay sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I think Trump will skip some days. I feel bad for laughing at that. <laughs> Damn. I'm the party starter. Everybody, let's go. Um, all right. So on to our party starter. Um, which is kind of weird to say this is a party starter, but I'm saying this in the sense of We've talked about the shootings at the very top of the show. So the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, their new publisher, wrote in a kind of an opinion op-ed piece um, in the Sunday paper about Wednesday's Midtown shooting. Um, And he says, and I'll read some of it, we don't have to live this way. We don't have to live in fear of visiting the doctor or taking a trip to the supermarket or sending our children to school. We don't have to duck and cover. Our children don't have to participate in lockdown drills. We don't have to sit and watch our streets turn into combat zone on live television. We don't have to mourn a 38-year-old mother who devoted her career to public health. That's the woman who died in the Midtown shooting. We don't have to pray all night that four other women fighting for their lives will survive. We don't have to debate whether guns kill people or people kill people. They both do. We don't have to argue about whether mental health is a crisis in this country. But we do live this way. We live with the terrifying reality that no place in our city is safe from the threat of gun violence. Except one place. Georgia's state capitol building. And then he goes on to talk about how... The one place in the, in Georgia where you cannot carry a weapon is the state capitol and questions why that is, right? I mean, we've talked about that before. If the very people who are making these gun laws, who believe in permitless carry, why don't they believe in the ability to do that at the state capitol? Um, and so that was published Sunday, and it was written before the Allen, Texas shooting, which occurred Saturday. And in the Allen, Texas shooting, that was at a mall, um, and it's, it's not clear on what prompted, why the person did the shooting. I believe the shooter was killed. But nine people were killed in that shooting. And the, a guy whose son worked at the H&M, the son called the dad. I guess the dad was nearby. He races there. He gets there within six minutes of the shooting. And he says he's trying to help people, trying to, like, do CPR and whatnot. 
and he pulled this someone who was ducking and he reached for them to make sure they were okay and he said the person's face was blown off uh, you read that and there's video circulating of the incident of the shooting and it's like what is wrong it doesn't matter where the shooting occurs. It doesn't matter who the victims are. It doesn't matter who the shooter is. We won't do anything. And it just baffles me as a country that there are very clear solutions. And those solutions don't have to equate to bring me your guns. Government is taking your guns. But there are clear solutions that can occur that we're unwilling to move forward on. And instead, we have states, I mean, Georgia did this, Florida just did this, with permitless carry. That I can carry a gun wherever, except for state capital, whenever I want to, right? I mean, I think about the places I go. The Whole Foods that I go to, there's always a sheriff's deputy there no matter what day, no matter what time. The church that I go to, there's always law enforcement there. And now you need law enforcement and hot, and like, at what point do we just say this is crazy? We live in a police state because we don't trust each other and we don't trust the police. Like what is going on? Like, this is baffling. And this was a clinic. So this is not a place where you would generally have a police officer there because it's like a specialty clinic. Not in that area. You see, I've been to dialysis mm. clinics where police have are there. there. Interesting. You know, and maybe not in the lobby, but the car is there. Like, yeah. they're not far away. Right. You know, so I think that's the issue with the police state. Like, yeah, we do need to start positioning these police in places that people, you know, get back to really protecting and serving. Like, you know, mall but, cops yeah. used to be a thing. Like, I'm sure there was probably, well, I don't know if there was a mall cop there. But, I mean, I know the last time I went to Lenox, I mean, there is like, I don't know, I probably saw six Damn. APD officers but, with canines. But what had to happen at Lenox? Yeah, multiple shootings. Right, before. including armed security who was shot. I mean, that's the other part of this is... I mean, God forbid, if a gunman walks into the grocery store where I shop or the church where I attend, yep. it's and he's got an a semi-automatic rifle, he's going to yeah, do a like, lot of damage in a short amount of time. And you, <laughs> is, I mean, this is what happened with the, the school shooting in Texas, mm -hmm. right? Where mm -hmm. it's like, Okay, the police did come. I guess my point is, I know there's this narrative of a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun, but that is not always the case. Yeah. And I, I think we have a the level of fear in this country, like towards each other, towards institutions, is a national security crisis. Yeah. I think we have to get back to being personable because I think person on person, people are really scared. But like you said, the fear that's put on people. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. There's something going on. But I, I think um, 
Like I said, if you get more personal, I think we get we solve this problem. So I just I'm looking up, I'm trying to find this. Um oh, here it is. The the Surgeon General of the United States, he wrote an op-ed about loneliness and he said the next mm. public health priority in the United States is the loneliness epidemic. Yeah, I can see that. Because folks are going to substance abuse, they're going to, you know, mm-hmm. the internet, like they're going to other places to address and fix problems in their lives. And then you get AI coming. <laughs> so you're going to be even more lonely. Yeah. It's going to be like, robot. what was that? Yeah. What was that movie? Oh, we fell in love with the robot. Yeah. Yes. Her? Her? Yeah. I think it was called Her. Yeah. Well, Joaquin like Phoenix. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Such a good actor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Surgeon General said that he urges the the people and public officials to treat loneliness and isolation with the same urgency as other serious conditions such as obesity and drug abuse, and that it's affecting half of the country. And he says, and I quote, Right now, millions of people are telling us through their stories and statistics that their tank is running on empty when it comes to social connection. And that this is having a profound impact on people's lives. Oh, this is interesting. I'm also just talking about trust. So I'm just scanning through this this story. Um, And he says that in the 1970s, about 45% of Americans said they could reliably trust other Americans. That dropped to 30% in 2016. And then it goes on to say between 2003 and 2020, the time Americans spent alone increased by 24 hours a month. And time with friends in, in person decreased by 10 hours a month. So you you pair what's happening with the gun abuse conversation with what's happening with the drug abuse conversation with this and like something needs to happen. Um, and it I'm not saying there there's like a one size fit all solution. I think this is really actually something. If I'm in local elected office, this is something I would be taking on immediately because you can address it and build community at the local level. Um, And then, like, don't wait on the federal government to figure this out for you. Like, figure this out at the local and state level. This is, I mean, it's remarkable. Um, And we see it, right? Something's got to be done about it uh, because these stories are going to continue. And, you know, the future of the country is at stake i mean honestly i know it sounds hyperbolic but when you've got people shooting each other and folks being afraid to walk into any area of any area to do the area to run their errands or to see family or to do whatever it paralyzes the people so that's it that's the show as always thank you for tuning in um sorry to end on a heavy note but I mean, it's, yeah, that's really troubling. It's really troubling to see what's going on. Um, 
As always, share the show with your friends and family. Give us a rating. Leave a voice note if you've got something that you want to share, something you want us to talk about. And until next time, stay tuned in to Where the Party At. <laughs>